Hello and welcome back to Second Take Movies, the podcast where we give movies a second look, a second chance, a second take, if you will. I'm your host, Preston Jenkinson, and my guest today is my very good friend, Aaron Spurlock. How are we doing, man? We're doing good. Good. We're doing good. good about good. to be talking about a uh, childhood favorite movie. So yeah, because today we are talking about the 1989 Kevin Costner movie, Field of Dreams. Classic. We're going to start with a synopsis. <laughs> Iowa farmer Ray Kinsella hears a voice in a cornfield tell him, if you build it, he will come. He interprets this message as an instruction to build a baseball field on his farm, upon which appear the ghosts of Shoeless Joe Jackson and the other seven Chicago White Sox players banned from the game for throwing the 1919 World Series when the voices continue. Ray seeks out a reclusive author to help him understand the meaning of the messages and the purpose for his field. And the next thing we like to do is take a look at a positive and a negative review. Awesome. Roger Ebert said, Field of Dreams will not appeal to the Grinches and Grouches and Realists. Mm. It's a delicate movie, a fragile construction of one goofy fantasy after another. It has the courage to be about exactly what it promises. And Peter Travers of Rolling Stone... Was that a negative or a positive? That was a positive. Oh, man. It almost sounded negative at first. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this I'm guy... I'm not looking forward to this one. This guy rips into it. Uh-oh. <laughs> Peter Travers of Rolling Stone said, To be honest, I started hearing things too. Just when Jones was delivering an inexcusably <laughs> sappy speech, which we'll get to, oh, yes. about baseball being a symbol of all of that was once good in America. I heard the words, if he keeps going... I'm walking. <laughs> so, Peter with the sarcasm oh, at the Peter. end there. Oh, all right. The one of the reasons we uh, brought this movie up mm-hmm. was with uh, uh, one of our favorite TV shows, mutual favorite TV shows, brings us up in their uh, one of the episodes. I can't remember which one it is, but How I Met Your Mother talks about yeah. how one of the female characters hated the show or hated the movie, and then all the male characters like ripped into her. Like, how could you hate this movie? Yeah. And so my wife and I have the same debate. Uh, my wife, Andrea feels the same exact way as the female character in that show felt where she thinks it's the worst movie ever made. Yeah. And I think it is just one of the greatest movies and it's perfectly like fitted in right in like 1989. Mm-hmm. It's like, it has a perfect mixture of the eighties, like music in the background mm-hmm. with like the weird like wind chime almost looking or yeah. feeling uh sounds and then early 90s feel of like their attire and everything like that like everything that they that cinematically it looks like it's early 90s you know even the po- even the poster which i'll put on the yeah. in- instagram when i was put post a show it is the most 80s poster yeah it's just kevin costner in like a little pose like I made cornfield and a right. baseball field. Yeah, but I also like to play ball sometimes. Yeah. But <laughs> this movie, like I texted you last night while I was watching it. It's the mo it's it loves base this movie loves baseball. Loves it. Like baseball is the end all be all greatest sport that was ever created. Yeah. Don't get it twisted. This is a sports movie yeah. through and through. So if you hate sports movies, yeah. you're likely gonna hate this movie. Right. But let's we'll, we'll yeah, yeah. summarize the movie. We'll continue on. Um, the beginning it starts 
we we come down from the sky and into this well no it actually starts with kevin costner narrating his not yeah. life basically yeah yeah and how his dad was obsessed with um the, the white socks yeah and shoeless joe jackson who's from pickens county south carolina right up the road really yeah wow mm-hmm. i don't know why i didn't know that that's pretty awesome yeah he i think he died in greenville eventually goodness yeah because they even mentioned they even mentioned in this um movie that he after that he went in like the minor leagues and ended up in like a league in south carolina somewhere so So, theologically how did he die in greenville south carolina and end up in the cornfields of iowa that's what i want to know you know and like the afterlife and like <laughs> thirty or forty years younger. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> yeah, and Ray Liotta. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I have a friend that says I look exactly like Ray Liotta. There you go. Nice. That's okay. a that's a compliment right there. Yeah, it's better than Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, no, that is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, I take that. But uh, um, moves on to Kevin Costner walking through this cornfield, and he's just he's dig he's hitting the ground with the shovel or. Just randomly. It's like not like he's like plowing corn or anything. There's no way he he planted that corn by himself. No. I grew up on a farm. It took my dad and one other guy and like hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment to get that much corn planted. Yeah. And all I see him driving in this movie is a tractor. Is one John Deere tractor. Yeah. And he has his daughter like on his lap while he's driving it. Yeah. But yeah, no, like it, it, it does this like whole thing as he's narrating and then mm-hmm. it talks about how he met his wife and yeah. they went out to Iowa because that's where she was from. And he bought this land with the farm, like the farmland or whatever. And it was like, it's almost like they like just moved in yeah. because they were not equipped to be farmers at all. Yeah. But like, he just kind of like said, all right, I got a shovel he's and just, I got all this land. He's what should already I do? a success at it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but Perfectly kept farmland with one tractor and then almost immediately kevin costner starts hearing voices literally so i i tracked it okay it was four minutes into the movie four minutes four minutes into the movie and it's like i was i mean like i told you before we started recording i this is probably the first time i watched it in in maybe 10 years i know it's the first time i watched it in six years because my wife hates it so much and we never watched it right. and I've been with her for six <laughs> years. Um, and so anyways, uh, and I, I was just shocked at how quickly they got to the voice. Yeah. Like, and how often the voice appeared too. Yeah. And, it, um, and one of the, one of the things like with just within, I guess, common pop culture is like a misconception that the voice just says like if you build it like they will come mm-hmm. which it which it never says they will come yeah it only says like he will come that is a big misquote because people it? always say they if you build it they will come or yeah whatever. i guess they just associate it with the baseball players and, or or with the people which we'll get to at the end like, yeah you know with uh what's his faces uh i just i just referred to james earl jones as what's his face uh what's his faces <laughs> quote at the end, like just people will come, and so they yeah. just assume that the quote was they. But anyways, he it it says the very first you know four minutes says if you build it, he will come, and yeah. so it leads into this mystery of who's he, and then right. later has like a vision that shows that it's Shoeless Joe or yeah. whatever. Um, and then 
So he he hears his voice and keeps asking his wife if she heard that. Mm-hmm. And then he just eventually is like, whatever, I heard a voice. He's not worried about it at all. There's no questioning. No questioning at all. Yeah. Um, go, goes in the house and is just like very nonchalant. Just, I heard a voice. She's like, what did it say? He said, if you build it, he will come. And she she doesn't quite, that's, I, that's a real problem with, like, there could have, there's an opportunity for conflict there. Yes. Like, we could have had, you know, this man putting everything on the line. He mentions to James Earl Jones, I'm putting my marriage on the line. Whatever, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, the marriage was never in question the entire movie. Oh, yeah. Even though in real life, it would have been in question, like, the first couple of minutes. As soon as yeah. you heard that voice, and you say, hey, honey... So I was out in the farmlands and I hear this voice yeah. telling me that I should destroy the farmlands that we just bought and build a baseball field. And then she responds with, okay, let's do it. Yeah, just no question. No rational human being is going to do that. No rational human being is going to respond basically that way. bankrupts his, his entire family. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody questions. Like, there's this, even this moment in the feed store where... He just mentions to somebody, which all those guys in that feed store were dressed just like my grandfather and my father. That is the only thing those two men wore their entire lives was a button up shirt, jeans, and some kind of, my grandpa more of the flat bill hat, you know? Yeah. The old guys used to wear flat bill hats all the time. Yeah. And and not like ones with the sticker still on it. Like, yeah. 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 That like would be they popular. Were, they would actually, you know, have like sweat lines in them and yeah, dirt yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, oh, I recognize that feed store. I've been in a bunch of those yeah. seed store and whatever. But now, now question for you, personal question. Okay. Uh, growing up, did your dad or granddad ever talk about voices that they would hear? They never heard a voice in their head mm, that I know of. <laughs> that, yeah, that they were proud to announce in the feed store with yeah. uh, 30 other farmers yeah. in town. Yeah. yeah. But, that was pretty funny. So I was surprised at how quickly it moved. Like, he, it, it goes from that to, you know, his, his wife is just like, oh, really? Yeah, let's go ahead and build it. Yeah. To, yeah. like, we're getting supplies. We've got the field up. Like, it's ready to go. Yeah. I should have marked that out. Like it was probably twelve minutes into the movie that they actually had the field out. And yeah, everything was a go. Yeah, this movie moves pretty quick. It does. So they build a field. Uh, um, they nothing happens, right? The winter comes, and then all of a sudden the spring comes, and that's right. It then goes through sho- the and then Shoeless Joe appears, mm-hmm. and he goes out, and uh, <laughs> he has. There's this like comic relief where. He tries to hit a hit a pop up to Shoeless Joe, who was an outfielder and was a great outfielder and all this stuff. Yeah, tries to hit a pop up pop up to him, just as practice and just hits it like two feet in front of him. Yeah, and then anyways they start you know playing ball and yeah. then uh, Shoeless Joe comes back in after catching a few and says, "Hey, like, can I can I invite other people here?" Mm-hmm. And but then in the meantime, there's this weird like camera shot where it it takes a shot at, at shoeless joe's ironically enough shoeless joe's shoes his mm-hmm. feet uh right at the edge of the baseball field where it turns into gravel because mm-hmm. you know he was trying to introduce him to his his family his wife and his daughter 
and uh, Shoeless Joe couldn't move any further. He mm-hmm. had to remain on the field or cease to exist is what kind of the movie alludes to. Because yeah. there's even, a, and before that, there's a scene where he gets out of bed and yeah, he's just staring out the window. And it, again, his wife does not question it. Nothing. At all. But the note I have when I wrote that down, and I want to get your opinion as someone who went to seminary, <laughs> uh oh this is a dangerous territory i said it's it's a you know it's baseball ghost baseball players but it's also a movie about stepping out on faith really yeah and it's almost an analogy for noah okay no i see it that's that, what yeah. i was thinking yeah yeah and the ice cream truck's going by perfect hey this this podcast is all about childhood nostalgia yeah it's perfect it, yeah. it falls in so perfectly the audience may or may not hear that there we go um but no no that's a, that's a really good uh, i think analogy is yeah no it's perfect because um within the story of noah you you have this isolated family that's isolated from mm-hmm. the rest of the world and there's something unique that's happening to this family yeah uh because of their faith in god and then, and here in this this story, um, it's this isolated person who's having the same type of unique, um, I guess story hap- unique storyline happen to him and his family, where he has to take the lead and feels like this is the the thing that would give him purpose, mm-hmm. uh, thing that would separate him from the rest of the world in yeah. in a sense. Whereas he saw his dad not taking that step, not not taking that leap of faith and yeah. just kind of fitting into the mold and being miserable because he just fit into the mold. And so he says, like, hey, this is I should answer this voice. I should answer this call. Yeah. And so he takes his family along with it uh, and his family. I mean, his wife, obviously his daughter being, I don't know, between four and six years old, uh, the character was and just kind of like happily going along with it yeah it was just like this the whole story was a story of blind faith so to speak um so yeah i I like that connection between no i think there was uh there's obviously uh more significance into the the noah story right but uh one is the fate of humanity this is the other one's like, hey, we can see Ghost. <laughs> he wants to play catch with his dad. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Hey, don't spoil it. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but I like the connection. Yeah. So it, it's never really answered, but are these ghosts or are these the actual players? Good question. So they seem to have all the memories. Yeah. Ray Liotta yeah. answers that question. Okay. Uh, remember whenever the the little girl, I'm going to, I can't just keep referring her to, or can't keep re- referring to her as the little girl. So yeah. Karen uh, Kinsella mm. uh, said, hey, are, are, you a, are you a ghost talking to Shoeless Joe Jackson? Yeah. Uh, and he said, do I look like a ghost? And she goes, no, you look real to me. She go, He goes, well, I guess I'm real. And so it gives like an open-ended answer to like, hey, I'm not a ghost, but I'm something in between. Right. Right. Because they can't actually step into the real world. Yeah. So they're kind of like caught in time, and so to speak. Apparently something in the cornfield. 
that yeah there's a portal there's a dimension who knows who knows yeah and and i think the the movie the movie wants which your your critic said it was like hey the rational person the logical person's gonna hate this movie because it doesn't make sense and the 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 person in me that loves sci-fi and yeah. And, and 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 fantasy stuff is like okay what's the rules of this world Correct. what's the rules of this cornfield there there are none there are none there are none and yeah. and it never wants you to have those it's a it's a movie that's rated PG for a reason yeah it's a movie that's supposed to be like okay for kids to have or kids to watch because it's a movie that's supposed to invoke some type of nostalgia within you that makes you mm-hmm. feel like a child again yeah. and so as a child you don't you don't question the fact that they go into the co- the right. cornfield. Like I never it's like, did it. Oh, that's just where they go. That was just where they go. So it's like James Earl Jones, like later on in the movie, goes into the cornfield. Okay, good for James Earl. Symbolic of his death, I guess. Yeah, I yeah. Don't know. But like, you don't actually question it. Yeah. Um, Pat McAfee said it best, which is rare. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready for this. The the as he says it, the drama around baseball is always more interesting. Than baseball itself. <laughs> yeah, that's a hundred percent true. Yeah, the the history of baseball, right? Is like it, okay. So let's take your your three major sports mm-hmm. in America. You have football. Yeah. You have basketball, and you have baseball. Football is always entertaining, no matter what. Yeah. Right from from era to era to era, like seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands. Everything has like its own, mm-hmm. you know, very exciting uh, portion of it that makes everybody in America tune in to Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. Um, basketball, they have their greats. They have, you know, you have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the 80s. You have Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. And then you have Michael Jordan in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And then you have like Shaquille O'Neal in the 2000s, like these big personalities. And all of a sudden you have LeBron James to compete with the other great Michael Jordan, right? As the greatest of all mm-hmm. time. And so it, it rides the backs of the greats. But baseball, what it has is the history of the fact mm-hmm. that it was the sport back in the 1890s. Yeah. It was the sport back in the 1870s. It was like Babe Ruth was larger than life. And so it has this history. Yeah. Without the history, it's like... There's just there's too many players. There's too many games in a season. There's just it's just a lot to keep up with. I mean, the season goes from April to the end of September, early October. Yeah, and like who like who wants to keep up with a season that's eight months long? And like I'm a big Braves fan, and you know they went from being in first place to second to third to now they're in first place, about to clinch the division, and because I'm a Braves fan, it's like, Hey, it's exciting to me, but your average Joe that would tune into the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. they're not going to be engaged. So yeah. what, what does baseball have to offer? It has to offer the, um, buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks. And yeah. it has to offer the hot dog and a beer at a game. Like it's just a fun outing, mm. but that's because history is so ingrained into it. Yeah. And so this, this movie, just plays into that. Yeah. That's all it is. That's the whole point of this Julius Joe Jackson, like, I guess, uh, historical account is like, Hey, 
this guy was uh would have been one of the greats but he was banned from baseball too early and yeah they just kind of play on that the whole way through yeah because i learned about the 1919 world series in a history class in yeah. college. yeah yeah like it was it's that's baseball has it it has a thing as being a part of not just sports history but history because yeah. of the corruption that was going on outside like within the city of chicago exactly it exactly. became a part of that history yeah like the mafia the whole thing like yeah. uh yeah so uh and the same thing for like the bronx and you know the new york yankees like they were entrenched in all the crimes in new york too and so it, it's just that's a part of american history is like you know it doesn't get more american than uh, a baseball game and some apple pie and yeah. you know hamburger like that's right. a hot dog that's that's america right yeah that's what everybody thinks of as yeah. american and i think sadly is like you know again it's because now like millennials like you and me we're not really that enthralled by history yeah and so we just say hey what's what's most important here and now and baseball's kind of going to the wayside mm-hmm. um but again, this movie, when you watch it, it like puts you back into the uh, the prime of baseball when that was like the sport. Yeah, know? and so. and that be, ends up becoming the uh, conflict because because the the whole th- theme of this movie basically is Kevin Costner never got to say goodbye to his dad. Mm. Basically, yeah. Um, I think he 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 says later on that the last words he told him was he couldn't respect a man whose hero was a criminal um, oh, in Shoeless yeah. Joe. Yeah, which we the the facts they talk about is like yeah he took the money but he didn't yeah like the stats show he was not trying to throw that game yeah he batted like three forty for yeah. the series hit hit the series only home run yeah. and all this stuff I was like yeah so he knew in his heart of hearts so yeah. like. That, that wasn't true, like that statement to his dad. Like, yeah. Yeah, I can never respect a man that whose hero was a criminal. Yeah. And then James Earl Jones, like, ask him, or Terrence Mann, ask him, like, hey, why did you say that? And he goes, because I was a 17-year-old kid. Yeah. You know? And it's so, it's, it's so relatable, too, because, like, I mean, I, I grew up, and I know you grew up with a, a great dad, too, so I grew up with a fantastic dad love sports and all this stuff and so uh but at the same time like whenever you're 16 and 17 like you just kind of you have this weird feeling in you that you kind of want the world to be against you because you kind of want to yeah. be the one that like overcomes it all or whatever yeah uh, i don't know if it's testosterone or what and so you like make these things up that aren't actually true about who your dad is or whatever yeah. so that you can be like better than that yeah. right um and so I, I remember having those feelings, but now looking back on it, I'm like, I, I wonder if he if he looks back on it the same way because it's like, my dad was great, you know. I'm a 27 year old guy now, and I you know as a 17 year old kid, like I could nitpick things, but now I'm like, man, I was just a dumb 17 year old <laughs> yeah. kid, you yeah. know. Now as a 27 year old guy, like I'm thinking. I'm, I'm hesitant to say man, right? Because yeah. I don't know if I've earned that title yet. Uh, I, you know, wife and daughter. Uh, I would, no, that's I would fair. Say, two daughters, yeah, yeah. Yeah, two daughters, um, yeah. Forget about the second one. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, Sorry, Andrew. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, anyway, so I, I just think that that's a part of like growing up. And yeah. so I, I wonder like, you know, the 40 year old Kevin Costner or Ray Kinsella is like in that van whenever he's talking to James Earl Jones, like, mm-hmm. you know, actually my dad was actually pretty great. Yeah. And, and there's a, there's a moment in the movie where, um, right after they build the field and he's sitting there with his wife and he's telling like the story of um, how his dad would talk about Shoeless Joe and he would, and Ray Kinsella was smiling while he was telling the story about his dad. And she goes, that's the first time I ever heard or ever saw you smile whenever you're talking about your dad. And so it's like this growing moment of Mm -hmm. like, you're growing into your dad and you're realizing, you're realizing that's not such a bad thing. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of a beautiful, I guess, second part of the whole story too. Uh, so we'll, we'll move the story along. He starts hearing another phrase after he gets the baseball field built and the, the white socks start showing up and the, uh, these players show up, they practice together. And then he starts hearing, um, ease his pain or yes, that's it. And he's like, who? And, she, and of course, the wife is on board as she always is. Um, <laughs> to give context to this next scene, these two grew up in like the '60s, and like they were like hippies. Yes. And they said they just smoked some dope, and they they had some fun. So yeah, um, they go to a school board meeting where they're trying. You know the 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 Iowans are trying to. Uh, Ban some books out of the library. That's always fun. Very controversial. It books. always happens in public school. Have you ever did you ever relate to a movie so much as seeing those those nineties moms like oh, at yeah. this school board meeting talking about the like pornographic details of yeah. this terrible book that's you know, all this stuff or whatever, and it's you know, from a, a hippie that wrote it back in the sixties and yeah. it's like yeah, there's some things that are controversial, but like these moms are like up in arms. Thankfully, my it. parents were never those parents that were like, you know, a Harry Potter is evil. Um, Mine were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, they, but they didn't go to school board meetings because no. they were homeschooling their kids. So they, they didn't have to. <laughs> my parents didn't either because my dad was working. So was my mom. So mm. we didn't have time to go to school board meetings. That's right. Now, they did make time to go to like, you know, parent teacher conferences. And sure. My mom was always the, the mom that would go on field trips. There you go. Good for her. Yeah. That's guess, a good thing. That's know, a good thing. As I as I'm older now, I realize that was. I'm sure as a kid that was awful, but in the middle school it was terrible. Yeah. But, um, but as an adult, you see how it's yeah. a good thing. They're trying to ban Terrence Mann's book. Yes. And they James go, Earl Jones. Yeah, his his uh, Kevin Costner's wife makes a. Because she's not. I don't even consider her a character in this movie. Okay. She's, uh, I just want to say that she so i had this in my notes like mm. the the little so his family yeah the little girl was adorable all the way through like and that's all you want in like an 80s 90s like family film is like the kid not to be a great actor but just be adorable just be adorable and, and say cute things and she was adorable yeah the wife was not a good actress yeah like for 90% of the film yeah but that scene 
where she's at the school board oh, it's meeting. It's a great monologue. Oh, it's great. It that that is I'm sure that's what she tried out with uh-huh. and that's what got her the the role. Yeah. And the rest of it was just like uh, you probably could have gotten somebody her, better here. Cuz there's that rebellious character in that yes. school board meeting and they missed the opportunity for conflict with her and her husband. I feel like she should have also not seen the baseball players because when they show up his entire family can see him yeah it's like tinkerbell i guess i don't know but, um <laughs> anyway in this I, in this meeting he figures out it's terrence man that's who i need to and which that is that is the most illogical jump I, you know they this the, the plot required them to yeah yeah uh, <laughs> It was like, what in the world? Like, how did you get there? And then when they're arguing, because the first conflict they've had, they're arguing about him going because, you know, he's taking up a bunch of his land with his baseball field and they're not going to make the crop and yeah. they're going to lose money. And even though there's farm loans that are pretty easy to get. But anyway. Sure. <laughs> they should have consulted you or your father back, yeah, in, the, yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Well, I was... Yeah, you wouldn't have been much good. I was I was born the year this movie came out, so yeah, yeah. I was. So they should have consulted your father and useless your granddad. Yeah, um, how, how does this farming thing work? You know, my dad's the, the you know those those YouTube videos where the experts weigh in on movies and TV yeah, yeah. shows, and it's like, yeah, we know it doesn't work that way. You know, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. my dad is that guy. Um, <laughs> he would have been perfect. <laughs> Anyway, uh, they figure out it's, it's James Earl Jones is it turns out to be Terrence Mann, and um, Kevin Costner argues with his wife because she's like, "We're basically broke. How are you going to drive all the way to Boston?" He was like, "I, oh, you know." And then they figure out that it had the same dream, and she just lets him go. Like, yeah, yeah. So lead like, off with that. Well, so we talk about this where she's like, the whole conflict thing uh, within the marriage is like. It's non-existent. Like, hey, yes, you can build the baseball field. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can go, you know, do this thing or that thing or whatever and put our family in jeopardy of, like, financial ruin. And then she, like, finally starts to put her foot down. Yeah. And when she puts her foot down, they're having this argument in the house and, like, they're they're about to be completely broke. They're already behind on their mortgage. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait. I had this dream last night that you were, that you were at a baseball field, yeah, with Terrence Mann, and he was like Fenway Park, and she was like, "Is that the one with the big green wall?" And he goes, "Yeah," and she goes, "Like y'all were like eating a hot dog together," and he's like, "Yeah," we were like sitting on the baseball uh, or on the first baseline, right in the middle, and he, she was like. Yeah, I had that same dream. <laughs> and then it was like, all right, let's do it. <laughs> it's like, what in the world? Like, how did you get... <laughs> that is a huge leap. Yes, it's like, first, like, how did he get to, like, ease his pain, and all of a sudden he's sitting in the student council, or this teacher council, whatever, parent council thing. Yeah. And it's like, hey, let's mention Terrence Mann's book that's, like, this terrible thing for our kids right. to read. And he's like, oh, I need to ease his pain. And then he explains it to his wife, and his wife's like, oh, we had the same dream. Drive 3,000 miles or whatever it is to go pick this guy up and go to Boston. Yeah. And it's like, okay, like, 
this movie is not logical. No, that's what you have to. There's, it's yeah, a, it's a different world. That. There's not there's regular no logic. rules. Yeah, the rules of marriage, the rules of relationships, right. doesn't doesn't exist. In this yeah. Movie. So he he makes a little trip over to Boston in a old VW bus. Beautiful bus. Yeah. Um. Asks around and uh. Then he eventually finds Terrence, and of course Terrence doesn't want to go. And then he tries to kidnap him, which was a leap. They are cussing a lot in a PG movie. Yeah. I was like, damn, you can get away with stuff in the 80s with a PG rating. Yeah. A lot of... Yeah, so this was the first movie that I remember watching with my parents Mm -hmm. that they they said the, the word ass. Yeah. And my my family didn't just freak out. So like I said, like we didn't watch Harry Potter because of the the witchcraft or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, and and we had to like turn off Bad News Bears because I accidentally repeated the S H I T word because oh. I thought he just said shoot in a weird accent. So yeah, I just kept repeating it, thinking <laughs> that it was a weird accent. And my dad was just like, turn it off. <laughs> but so, to the Harry Potter thing. Parents like that had no problem with Chronicles of Narnia. No, that's that's a good point. We watched Chronicles of Narnia. It's magic. It's magic. It's witchcraft. Aslan says, I, know, I knew I the know. magics before blah, 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 whatever. Um, I know. But what was the focus on the family guy? James something? Yeah. Uh, anyways, he advised parents not to oh, okay. watch Harry Potter. Of course he did. But he advised them to watch... Uh, Chronicles, Chronicles of Narnia. Narnia because of C.S. It's Lewis. different magic. It's C.S. Lewis. Yeah. It's different magic. It has like a biblical tie to it. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. He eventually convinces, you know, they have an argument. Of course, he thinks Kevin Costner's crazy. They go to a Fenway Park. $7 for two hot dogs and two beers is amazing. That's unbelievable. I, I heard that and I was like, what? That's unbelievable. <laughs> you pay $7 just for the hot dog nowadays. You pay seven dollars for a half of a hot dog. Probably, right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's probably like fourteen. <laughs> yeah, no, like it's that's great. That's yeah. great. Uh, that that's a uh, one of those wonderful things that you do whenever you watch like an old movie, mm-hmm. and then you're just like, oh, I man, wish, I wish I lived. Back and there's then. <laughs> there's nobody at the concession stands. I know it's in the middle of a baseball game, but yeah. at any NFL game, any you know game you go to, there's people up. All the time, especially at a baseball game, I would. Yeah, it was empty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and at Fenway. Yeah, you know, and there's just two, and then you go out and it's like a full stadium, and there's just two seats left. Yeah. Right yeah. before game time, okay. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, he sees a message on the screen. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it says. Uh, Moonlight Graham. That's right. Archibald Moonlight Graham. And they gave his statistics. Yeah. Um. He wrote it. He writes it down, and then he drops James Earl Jones off, and then goes to leave. And there he is standing in the street, and he says, "What was on the thing?" He's like, "You saw it too." He's like, "Yeah, I saw it too. You saw it too." Let's go to. Um, they figure out that he lived in Wisconsin. Yeah, Minnesota. I can't. It's Minnesota, Minnesota. 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 Yeah. So they head off to this little town in Minnesota. Um. <laughs> And all of a sudden, time travel. Honestly, <laughs> this movie was really starting to lose me at this point. 
the best part of this movie is like the end when they yeah. get back to the farm. Eventually, get back yeah, to yeah. the farm. That is the heart and soul of this movie. It is. I was. It was hard to hang on at this point. Yes. <laughs> like yeah, the Moonlight Graham thing. Like it just. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It's a. It's great because of the ending. Because it's it's set. Because you need the character in the ending. All it does is set up that one yep. incident, which we'll get to. Um. Basically. They spend time in this town, figure out he became a doctor, and then Kevin Costner time travels. <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> I mean, you know, I we, have in my notes all caps with a ton of exclamation points. Time travel. <laughs> yeah, you know, we've got dead baseball players coming out of a cornfield. Why not? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's Burt Lancaster. Mm. Mm. Great actor. Mm-hmm only in his movie for like 10 minutes but anyway sure um tells him i'm fine i don't need to play baseball you can go back home i guess i don't know what i you know yeah so yeah yeah so he has this whole like conversation with him because he's thinking he's still thinking like ease his pain right mm-hmm. so he's thinking now i have to ease like archibald whatever his his name is Moon. yeah Moonlight Graham's uh, pain because he only got to play in one game. He went out into the outfield for half of an inning, yeah. and that was the end of the season, and he was getting sent back down to the minors, never got in at bat, and so he just retired because yeah. he didn't want to go back down to the minors. And he goes, like, hey, if you, if you could have like one wish in your life come true, what would it be? And so he goes into this whole thing of, like, I would love to have an at bat, so I could wink at the pitcher and act mm-hmm. like I know something that he doesn't. And then, you know, slide into third base and, and wrap my arms around the bag, like a warm embrace of a hug or whatever. Yeah. He's like, I wish I could do that. And this is this old decrepit man right before he's about to die. Yeah. Um, Again, this movie loves baseball. Yeah. Loves it. <laughs> loves it. Like it's all about baseball from start to finish. And so, and and again, it's painting this nostalgic like, hey, as a kid, like, didn't you love playing catch or going out and playing wiffle ball and like, yeah. there's something magical about it or whatever. Um, and so anyway, so that's that's the whole thing. And he's like, well, I can ease your pain. I can grant you this wish. And then it's like, eh, no, I'm fine. I'm good with what I got. Right. And he, and he said, like, isn't that a tragedy that you were only like, this was this was beautiful. Uh, he said, isn't it a tragedy? that you only got to live out your dream for five minutes and he said no what would have been a tragedy if i had only been able to be a doctor for five minutes yeah and it was like he put everything into perspective of like the real world is it needs doctors it needs mm-hmm. it needs it guys it needs people to make the world go around and people to make things happen yeah uh, to save lives to influence people uh it doesn't necessarily need baseball players. And know? there's a, I think it's in the motel after that where he says, um, I think Kevin Costner says, you th- I think he asked James Earl Jones, do you think one pitch can change the world? Mm-hmm. And James Earl Jones says one did because if he hadn't have missed that pitch, yep. this town would have never had its doctor. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, I get what you're doing, movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he said, he said, if, if 
Archie Graham would have had a, a hit in the major leagues and he probably would have stayed in the major leagues and never became yeah. a dog. It's like that's that's good. And so they they take that as a cue that it's time to head back to Iowa. Yeah. But oh no. We come across this uh young kid on the side of the road that says a baseball team will give him a job and they figure out that it's <laughs> the younger version of the doctor. <laughs> Why? Because Preston, this movie is illogical from start to finish. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> I was like, because it took me a while to figure it out. I was like, in the eighties. I mean, I knew that that was a thing, and then like, I guess I was kind of figuring it out with Kevin Costner too, because that was a thing a long time ago, like before professional sports was like really big. Um, teams would find jobs for players. Like, even when the NFL first started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They worked at, like, different jobs. Like, I think even in Johnny Unitas's time with the Colts. They did, they did. He yep. worked a second job. Yeah, I think he was in insurance. Yeah. If I remember yeah. correctly. Look at that. Um, <laughs> I, I could be completely off there. But, yeah, no, so, like, so, and uh, Ray Kinsella even says, like, they haven't done this for years where, like, you would – have them play at night but they would have a day job yeah or whatever and that they used to do that in like the 30s and he, he said like my dad used to do that or whatever yeah so it like mixes the timelines of like 70s and 80s of like people picking up hitchhikers yeah and so he picks up this hitchhiker because he's a hippie and he's like hey yeah let me help you out or whatever and then this guy is hitchhiking because he's looking for a job in I baseball. I play baseball. I play baseball. Yeah. <laughs> What's your name? Archie. Who? Yeah. Archie Graham. <laughs> and then again, this wife, like, they pull up to the house and he's like, oh, this is Terrence. She's like, hello. And then this is Archie and she's just like, sure. Yeah. You know, might as well. Yeah. yeah. Like, where did he come from? The 1930s. Okay. <laughs> There's no questions yeah. asked. But meanwhile, while all this has happened, in the background, we have a real... The only conflict in this movie. Um, his brother-in-law has like a... They never. I guess it's an investment group that wants to buy the land. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. And he keeps, because they're about to go, the bank is about to foreclose on them, and the, the investment group buys the title on the land, I think. Mm-hmm. But they haven't foreclosed on it yet. Correct. And he's trying to get him to sell. Correct. Sell. He's like, no, it's this baseball field. It's supposed to be here for a reason. Yeah. Um. So, you know, they confront him the next day when they're out watching baseball again. Um. Uh, snatches the little girl. Like, yeah, that was like aggressive. Yeah, and like so again, he's back. No, no logical. Yeah, there's there's no logic to any of this. Yeah. So like this guy, so this guy is the uncle, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so he's having this argument with his brother-in-law, That's saying, "Hey, you need to sell the land. You're yeah. being dumb. You're gonna put my sister in all this financial ruin." Blah blah blah. And so, like, they're disagreeing, and then all of a sudden, he, like, picks up his niece and, like, shakes her. Yeah. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, who does who does yeah. that? Anyways, so he did that. And then she falls off the back. Yeah. And she's passed out. 
Yeah. Nobody can get her to come back up. She's not breathing. <laughs> um, he tells her to go call the ambulance. <laughs> then he looks up at Archie, and he start he, and he's like, "Wait." Yeah. He's a- and again, she goes with it. Annie. <laughs> Annie, stop. Stop. Don't call the ambulance. ambulance. Don't let them know that our daughter's dying. This ghost who's 20 years old right now is about to become a 70-year-old man as He's a doctor. He's about to step in the gravel. Step off the field. <sighs> and let's let's talk about how illogical this is. So, yeah. so they pick up Archie Graham uh-huh. as a 20-year-old snot-nosed kid. Yeah. And they bring him all the way to Iowa. They then dress him and put him on this field. And now he's not allowed to come back off of the field without turning into a 70-year-old man. He wasn't a 70-year-old yeah. man 30 minutes ago before he stepped Why onto the field. Why can't he just, like, when he crosses back, just become little Archie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, that, so that's illogical. But what, what was also funny was, like, so after the uncle shakes the girl who just took a bite of a hot dog and now is, like, suffocating on this hot dog, she sh- he shakes this girl and then he, like, like drops her like it slips she slips out of his hand or whatever and drops her from the top uh bench of the bleachers onto the ground by the time like it literally takes like five ten seconds for them to get down to the ground where this girl's now laying literally lifeless like mm-hmm. i mean she goes from like being a little She's even kid pale to, yeah no pale and she has like her lips have turned blue yeah like if you dead. have a she she's like she's dead in five to ten seconds and and then and again the father is just like no no wait Andy, it's, this, and, this and ghost is coming sense. off the field to, to this ghost who was a pediatrician yeah. in a small town He's 50. about to save our daughter. Yeah, I know he looks like he's twenty, but he's about to be fifty years older yeah. with a with a you know a medical degree. Yeah, and he's gonna know exactly what to do. So, go. Ahead. I mean, he steps off the field. Yeah, and it turns out she was choking on the hot dog she was eating, <laughs> which I guess I, I'll guess I'll cut it at a break. Like she probably passed out from the fall. She hit her head. And choking sure. at the same time. Sure. Why not? Sure. So he just whacks her on the back. Doesn't even do the Heimlich. Nothing. Just like a couple of smacks on the back. Out comes a yeah. hot dog. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Again, this movie is not for yeah. the critics in us. No. It's meant for the believers in us. Yes. And one of those believers eventually turns out to be Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann. Played by James Earl Jones. Yeah. So this happens literally right before everything that we just explained. So right before the brother-in-law yeah. has this freak like, out at There's nobody coming. Yeah. And then jo- James Earl Jones goes off in the speech about how this is all going to oh, work it's, out. It's so beautiful, too. People will come, Ray. They'll come to Iowa for reasons they can't even fathom. They'll turn up your driveway not knowing for sure why they're doing it. They'll arrive at your door as innocent as children, longing for the past. Of course, we won't mind if you look around, you'll say. It's only $20 per person. They'll pass over the money without even thinking about it. For it is money they have and peace they like. And they'll walk out to the bleachers. 
sit in shirt sleeves on a perfect afternoon. We'll find we have reserved seats somewhere along one of the baselines. Where they sat when they were children and cheered their heroes. And they'll watch the game. And it'll be as if they'd dipped themselves in magic waters. The memories will be so thick that I'll have to brush them away from their faces. People will come, Ray. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It's been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time. This field, this game, is a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good, and it could be again. People will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. Like, that's just pouring honey in your ear. It really like, is. Like, the voice, the... He's the only one that could have uh, delivered that speech. Uh, so good. And Like, $20 to watch a baseball game. Yeah, calm down. right after we were talking about <laughs> how they paid $7 for a beer and yeah, a hot dog. Yeah, they didn't pay no $20 no. to get into Fenway. And he goes, yes. They, they won't have any reason or rhyme to it. They'll yeah. just hand you hand $20. Over $20. And they mentioned because they can afford it. And it's like, sounds like you're kidnapping people <laughs> and having them drive, like, spiritually kidnap these people and, and, and mind control them into driving down this highway. But, yeah. You know. the, the quote is, they'll pass over the money without even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. For it is money they have and peace they lack. Mm. Like, that's a great line. Yeah. Because it it's like, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's everybody, right? Yeah. Everybody in in America. That's what makes baseball beautiful is because for three hours, although it's a very long it's game, a very long but game. for three hours, you just get to be in the stands and just witness like just peace for a little bit. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the beauty of sports. It's the beauty of, of baseball specifically is like, there's just so much tied into it. It's not just the game. It's the fact that you have peanuts and Cracker Jacks. It's the fact that you have beer and, and a hot dog. It's the fact that you have the wave and all yeah. this like random things that go into the game. And it's like, it's just, it's baseball and it's America. And it provides some sort of peace without having to think about the fact that I just paid $10 for a beer that I would yeah. usually get for $1.50. You know, it's like. It's okay. It's also the one sport in America when you, where you can have like three or four beers and still keep track of what's going on. Or even still play. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But um, after all this, you know, everyone's convinced. And then the players start going back. Mm-hmm. And Shoeless Joe says, points it just in their direction, says, you want to come? And Kevin Costner's like, yeah, I want to come. Oh, no, not you. Terrence, him, you want to come? Yeah. He's like, Kevin Costner's like the first selfish moment. Well, this has kind of all been selfish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. But but, it, but he plays it off like this is the first selfish moment. Of his, yeah, of his entire life. Yeah, yeah. Um, He's like, well, I, I built I built this thing. I, I'm, I, you know, I want to know what's in there, you know? 
I've never once asked what's in it for me. What's in it for me? <laughs> yes, you have, dude. You've thought about that the entire time. I heard voices in my head. I need to go here. <laughs> I need to find this guy. I need to build this thing. <laughs> Whatever, dude. But he says, um, you, basically, there's no real fancy thing. It just says you're not invited. Yeah. And so James Earl Jones just walks into it. He, but Kevin Costner's like, oh, okay, whatever. And tells James Earl, like, you don't know you're going to see James Earl Jones again. You don't, actually. Because he says, like, well, you, you you better take notes and tell me what happened. Like, he's going to die. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's not going to come back. No, I don't think any of those players are coming back. (laughs) But um, who who draws his attention to his dad in the catchers? So, so I don't think anybody does. I think so. He just is like a a straggler. Yeah. At the end of it, so like so that whole thing happens with James Earl and Shoeless Joe, and I don't know. We're like mixing characters and their real names, but yeah. Anyways, Terrence Mann and Shoeless Joe go into the cornfield. And then, um, and then Kevin Costner uh, turns back around and sees this younger guy yeah. that is like just—I mean, used to be a catcher or whatever—and so he's like taking off his gear and he's just comes up to him and thanks him for hosting the baseball games. Like, thank you so much for letting us come out and play yeah. and all this stuff. And so he has this like cordial conversation with this guy, like hey, you're welcome, I'm glad I'm able to do it, or whatever, and all this stuff. And then, his, so this is, everybody knows, and even Kevin Costner knows, that mm-hmm. this is my dad, right? I'm yeah. talking to the younger version of my dad. Yeah. Um, because he recognizes him, like, very quickly, or whatever. And so, um, I think it was his wife that pointed it out. Like, hey, hey, Ray, look at, whatever. And so, then they had that conversation, and then... Um, at the end of the conversation, he's like, yeah, thanks or whatever. And he starts walking back to the cornfields and all of a sudden Ray Kinsella goes, Hey dad. And then like the guy doesn't question, the guy doesn't question. I mean, the guy's 20 years younger than him. Right. This is like the most, he he never knew the kid at this point in his life. Cause he had the kid late. It's like, okay, whatever. Yeah. You know, because his so the backstory the whole point of the movie is that his dad uh like related to his son which is Kevin Costner Ray mm-hmm. uh in in the form of baseball he wanted yeah. him to be a baseball player he wanted him to do all this he never because could make it he used to be a baseball player but yeah. he never actually made it all the way so here he is now on the baseball field that that Kevin Costner Ray Kinsella built so that he would come it wasn't the whole point of the movie is that it wasn't shoeless Joe Jackson that was going to come. It was his dad that Mm. was going to come and they were going to be reunited and he was going to be able to mend the relationship that he never actually got to mend because he said that terrible thing to his dad. Yeah. And then his dad died a couple of years later and he was never able to build or rebuild that relationship. Mm -hmm. So here's his opportunity. And so he, he calls out and he says, Hey dad. And although again, super illogical none of it makes sense sure it's not supposed to but the beauty is that his dad you know 10 years before he's actually his dad he responds to his son's voice 
He turns around and doesn't ask a question. And then he just says, "Hey, would you like to have a catch?" Yeah. And he goes, "Sure, sure." And they have a catch, and it's like, and that's when I texted you the the three emoji <laughs> crying faces because that's what I was literally doing. I know. I know. <laughs> it's like, oh. because it that's that's the point of the movie is like. Mm-hmm. Like, so for me and my dad, it was like, it was baseball, like, right? So mm-hmm. my dad would come home, um, like after working from, I mean, so whenever I was a kid, he owned his own trucking company. And so he would work literally from like six in the morning till six at night. Yeah. And he'd come home during the summer. And the first thing that he would do would come home, he'd greet his wife, greet us, and then we'd have dinner real quick. And it would be as quick as possible so that me and my dad could go outside and play catch. Wow. And so it was like, and he was just always like, anytime I asked him, it was like, hey, dad, can we go play catch? It was never a, I'm too tired. or No, I don't want to do that. Or, hey, I got to do this or got to do that. It was, all right, let's go. And so, like, that's the whole point of the movie. And that line is like the, regardless of how, I guess how much turmoil has come into the relationship of a parent and a kid at the end of the day, like there's going to be that, whether it's baseball, whether it's, um, whether it's video games, whether it's, uh, you know, just doing whatever in the Mm -hmm. backyard, like your, your parents want to be with you as a kid. And so all they, all they need is that kid to say, Hey, will you come do this with me? I mean, it happens all the time with, with Harper, my three-year-old daughter is like, I'll be sitting there, you know, answering emails or whatever on my computer on the couch. And then a song will come on and Harper will just be like, Hey dad, will you dance? It's like, I'm a terrible dancer. I'm the worst that there ever is. (laughs) But a hundred times out of a hundred, I'm going to get up off of my seat. I'm going to dance with my little girl. Yeah. Because she's my little girl. Yeah. That's that's what that's a picture that this movie paints at the end of it that makes it just amazing yeah you know and as we widen out the shot we we see they did show up yes they did come yes there's cars lined all the way into town i guess like all the way i don't even (laughs) this shows my knowledge of iowa yeah what state surround where is iowa i don't know (laughs) so i mean the amount of cars that are out there it looks like it's like rush hour in atlanta georgia or new york city um i was watching a a interview with kevin costner i watched a bunch of interviews about this movie um he said that was a real shot really that like it because they shot it in iowa wow and all they did was just put a call out on the radio and said, we're shooting this movie at this spot. Wow. All we need you to do is drive to it. And like, so all the headlights and everything, that's, that's all real people. That's insane. And if you've seen the movie, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> I mean, it, it had, it had to like span across, I don't know, five yeah. miles. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it backs up and it's just like, as it continues to back up, there's just zigzags of yeah. cars like all the way. I mean, that's, that's insane. You know, today that the power would, of the radio back yeah. in the eighties. Cause today <laughs> it would be on a drone shot and Twitter. Yes. Yeah. 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 
But oh, that is funny. Field of Dreams. What a movie. What a movie. What what do you rate it after your tenth uh, time, I guess, of okay. seeing it? What's the scale? One to ten. One to ten. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know I've been very bullish of how like yeah. how much I love this movie. Yeah. But I'm also like a movie I like to think of myself as a movie critic. Yeah. So I'm gonna be harsh on it. Okay. I'm gonna say it's a solid six point eight. Ooh. And the reason for that is because of how illogical it all is and whatever. Um, But it's such a great movie when it comes to nostalgia and making and helping you feel like you did 20 years ago, you know, when you first watched it. It's great. I'm going to cheat and do two scores. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Because this is my podcast. I do what I want. That's right. Um, As a movie. Just you know, as how it's shot, yep. story. I give it a five. Oh, okay. <laughs> With you know the lot, you know the. I mean, yes, this is illogical baseball players, but story format. Okay, five. <laughs> not so great. Themes, the themes of this movie okay. and how it uses that you know relatability of parents and children yeah i give it a seven okay let's meet in the middle okay let's call it a six just give the movie a hard six a hard six okay i think it's fair i think one thing i wanted to note was like because there's no conflict there's no antagonist there's no 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 no. it's just this one man going through his own personal journey And nobody's like stepping in his way. And the inciting incident is almost immediate. Yeah, exactly. So it just kind of like unravels from there. Yeah. Which is great. It's just a regular lazy movie that you can just watch and just enjoy. Um, I will say like in the 80s and 90s, I feel like soundtracks were like really important. Mm -hmm. And they, they didn't have like a bunch of like really awesome songs like you would expecting like a karate kid movie or something like that yeah um but it did have like just perfectly um i don't know perfect sounds mm-hmm. in the background just, you the know entire time. orchestral music that yeah. would swell and it make just you feel good exactly and it just it just made sense the entire movie and it mm-hmm. went for, so I, I enjoyed that about yeah. the movie and this, that was the first time that i enjoyed that this past time I watched it because I was the first time I noticed it. And Kevin Costner as an actor is always hit and miss for me. So what did you, do you think this was a hit or a miss? I think it was a hit. It's a hit. Okay. I, I would agree. Because after this he did like. A lot of misses. Robin Hood. <laughs> um, Waterworld. Just some not good stuff. Yeah. And then does a Dances with Wolves. <laughs> yeah. But this was like such a hit. This was that, early Costner. Like, yes. This was a hit. This was yeah. what made him Kevin Costner. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Bull Durham was also like a yeah. Kevin Costner hit. I, I actually have never watched Bull Durham. It's another baseball I've movie. I've never seen it. Um, I hear it's good. Only but... baseball movie I really enjoyed as a kid was Angels in the Outfield. So <laughs> I looked at like the movies that you would like, but, like on the IMBD or whatever. Yeah. Sorry, this is probably going too long on the podcast. No, it's and I, I saw The Rookie with Dennis Quaid. I've seen that. That's corny. 
Okay, that's a wonderful movie. We might have to do a podcast on that. Uh, the Sandlot. Oh, I see. Okay, look. Don't even. Don't even. <laughs> oh man. Okay. That's a solid seven. I saw that. See, the, the problem is, everybody I went to college with saw it when they were kids. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I saw it when I was cynical and twenty-two. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Hated it. Anyway. Okay, what about Angel? You said Angels in the Outfield. Angels in the Outfield. Loved it. Yes. When did you watch it first? When I was a kid. Okay. Exactly. Don't want to watch it again, probably. You probably wouldn't. No. So, that's also a suggested movie. Uh-huh. And then Rookie of the Year. So, three of those four are my favorite baseball movies of all time. Okay. And that says a lot because I gr- literally grew up on baseball movies. Yeah. So... Uh, rookie of the year used to be my favorite movie of all time that's mm-hmm. where the, another illogical thing a kid breaks his arm and then all of a sudden can throw a hundred mile per hour fastball and you know and then gets signed to a major league contract at the age of 12 you're not the first person to have that <laughs> reaction when i say that about sandlot so I've yeah learn to live with it anyways anyway that is the end of this episode aaron thank you for pressing sitting here and talking about movies dude thanks for having me that is, again, that's the end of this episode. Um, if you want to send it a suggestion, you can send it to uh, secondtakemoviespod at gmail.com or our Instagram and Twitter at secondtakemovies at both of those. And I will see you next time on Second Take Movies. <laughs>